Hello, Monetization Nation. Recurring revenue is a great model to have because it can provide us with stability. But how do we make sure we continue to provide recurring value to our customers and not just treat them like commodities? In today's episode, I interview Paul Chambers, who is an expert in subscription-based business models. For more than 20 years, he's built, scaled, and sold multiple subscription-focused businesses. In this episode, Paul Chambers and I discuss the ins and outs of recurring revenue. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Today, I am joined by Paul Chambers. He's created and sold a, a successful subscription box company named Gentleman's Box. He also operates the Subscription Summit and the Subscription Trade Association, which are the largest conferences and, and, and association in the space. He also operates Unity, which is a SaaS subscription management system. Paul has a handle on literally every aspect of successful subscription-focused business models. He knows exactly how they succeed and fail. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show, Paul. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. Can you start off by telling us something that you are super passionate about? Something I'm super passionate about? Oh, so then the question becomes like my personal or my, my business life. But um, I'm first and foremost, I'm super passionate about my family. I love my kids. I have the world's most amazing wife. Let's get that out of the way. Like nothing can ever replace that and them. Um, but I'm extremely passionate about about starting things up, about entrepreneurship, and I absolutely love subscription. And, and it's funny as we've gotten, as I've dove more into the D2C subscription space, I sit back and reflect on my career and I've been running subscription businesses since I've started my first business. So it really has taken a lot of twists and turns to get to where we're at today, but it's been so much fun. And just to clarify for the audience, when he refers to, when he talks about D2C, he's talking about uh, direct to consumer. Is that correct? correct? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just have you share your story. Tell, tell us about your journey to become one of the world's leading experts in subscription business models. Yeah. I'll give you the, um, the short, shortest version of it just to kind of speed through and get to some things that may be more like meeting helpful for the audience. Um, I started my first business in high school at 16 I borrowed $10,000 from my grandfather to build an internet service provider, like the king of all subscription companies back in the late nineties, early <laughs> 2000s. And I bought all this equipment, had no idea what I was doing and failed miserably at it. Uh, I was convinced I was going to be able to get this Mac and an ISD line at my house and make it work. And I knew I, so I failed at it. Wasn't the right, not the right solution. I knew I had to repay my grandfather the $10,000 he loaned me to start that business and I started building websites using that equipment that I had. And that's when I started my first true subscription company. I started a hosting business as well at the time. And I loved the hosting business because it was hard for people to leave and they would, you know, that they'd pay their bills every month. And if they didn't pay their bill, you'd shut their website down and nobody ever wanted that. So it was a great business mm -hmm. until one day the, and this is like, you know, 10, 15 years into running it, the FBI came knocking at my door. And they said, hey, we saw some bad guys inside your server and uh, we'd like to know more about them. Can you help us? I'm like, nah, I'm going to get out of the hosting business now. I'm, I'm good yeah. at that. Um, but, you know, started building websites and over the course of, you know, 20 years, 
um, really enjoyed. And, and I still have that digital marketing agency today. And it powers a lot of what we're doing because about, uh, and I had an IT company along the way and uh, built and sold that. And we did managed services and did a ton of fun stuff there. Um, but about six years ago, I uh, had two close friends approach me with an idea they had for a company called The Gentleman's Box. And at the time, John Haji, uh, the brain, the brains behind the, the concept said, you know, I'm working a day job. I don't have time to go out and go shopping and style myself. And I don't want to pay, you know, expensive styling fees. Uh, what if we built a box that shipped out so ties and socks and pocket squares and made every man a true gentleman on a monthly basis? Like, love the idea. I'd love to help. I can build the website with my agency. Um, you know, I don't usually do this, but I know you guys well. I trust you. I'll do it in exchange for an equity stake in the company. Uh, so became a partner in the gentleman's box uh, with Chris George as well. And we built and continued to scale that. We actually exited it last year to Cigar Club and it was a great partnership and they're great stewards of the business going forward and it's continuing to be successful. And we did that because along the way, we wanted to attend a conference to meet other like-minded subscription box experts, owners, entrepreneurs. And so, you know, my business partner's like, we should go to that conference. I'm like, yeah, we should. So I start Googling and found out it didn't exist. And, you know, we, we have this disease as entrepreneurs where we're like, well, we should just start that. That sounds easy. We should, <laughs> we should launch this conference so we can meet other people and, and help this community grow. Turns out running a conference is incredibly difficult and a very hard thing to do. Um, but we did it and we did our first one in 2016 in Detroit, launched subscription summit, um, had almost a little over 200 people in the room, Katya Beecham from Birchbox, co-founder of Birchbox and Michael Brookham, co-founder of FabFitFun came into the room and it was awesome. We're like, oh, this community is so cool. They're so helpful to each other. We learned so much. Um, FabFitFun, like they're in the early day, earlier days of, of their business and taught us a ton of things and we learned so much. Like we should keep this going. So we kept the conference rolling. And at the same time, also began the trade association. And we've been successful in growing today. Pre-COVID, our last event in 2019, we had over 1,000 attendees. Um, throughout COVID, we continue to grow our membership base. We have over 2,000 members in the trade association. And our focus now is to help create the biggest, most supportive community around the direct-to-consumer subscription industry, which is a multi-billion dollar industry. And you see companies like Nike and Coca-Cola and, you know, Dollar Shave Club, everybody has some sort of subscription component today. And actually, even a funny thing I heard on the radio this morning, uh, Coca-Cola launched a subscription vending machine in Japan where you can subscribe on a monthly basis and get a Coke a day from the vending machine. Wow. So that's the quick short story, maybe a little longer than I liked it to have been there. But, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's just such an amazing world we live in. And I'm so passionate about it. So, so go a little bit further. Tell us a little bit more about maybe the software you've, you've added. And yeah, and, uh, yeah, little, there's, little um, yeah. you know, there's, there's, it's funny because I, I'm so much in the D2C space. I, I sometimes forget about the SaaS side of the business as well. Um, this was maybe 15 years ago, I started a, a SaaS business called QuoteGen. Uh, and this wasn't on your list, but because we built it and, and, sold, and exited it. Uh, coaching was online proposal software at the time. And this was like the early days of earlier days of SaaS. you know, companies like Adobe and Microsoft, you were still either stealing from your friends or, or, or buying, you know, at the store for an exorbitant amount of money and not upgrading for 10 years. And we were trying to leverage some of the new web technologies to build tools that people could use online to build good proposals. 
uh, similar to like a Proposify or Proposable. There's yeah. a whole bunch of them out there today. And Quotgen was was just that. And, and we built that business and found that there's a great opportunity in SaaS. And what we love is just, it's that recurring revenue. You know, it's it's so nice because you can you can count on it. You can build your model around it. You can understand your acquisition costs. And it's not a one-off transaction. And the other piece of software that we built and still run today is called Unity. And it helps um, teachers unions collect union dues from the teachers. What was happening is a lot of the teachers were unions were having to like collect hand checks, maybe run credit cards. It's very disjointed. We made the software that would allow them to like email the teachers. It would allow them to pay online. It would collect the payments. It would record it. It would give them reports. So finding an opportunity where something is like a very manual process and putting a piece of software behind it and then collecting the subscription revenue behind it as well um, is oftentimes like a, a very fun way to look at a traditional business model. And I know you, you know, we talked about this a little before jumping on it's recurring revenue is such an interesting way to look at businesses now. And it's for me, like it's a comfort level. I absolutely love recurring revenue because I can count on it. Yeah. I'm to the spot where I won't create a new business unless it has a recurring revenue stream with it. You sleep right. so much better at night. You can plan for the future. When you go to sell your valuations are so much higher. There, there's oh, yeah. so many advantages of, of going recurring. Yeah. And we see, you know, when you talk about valuations, we see um, valuations tend to be higher in the SaaS space versus um, direct to consumer subscriptions. That's because, you know, there's, there's lower churn. People will stay on SaaS products, the more like the B2B space a little yeah, bit yeah. longer. One of the things that we're encouraging, because our trade association focuses mainly on the D2C side of things. One of the things that we're encouraging these businesses is to look at ways that they can increase that longevity of the, you know, the time that consumers are staying with them and staying as part of their brand. Part of that includes making it easier to pause or to cancel because we know they'll come back. Uh, other parts of that are understanding that customer life cycle and then tailoring the product to them so that when you, when you know they're going to churn, finding ways to keep them around, whether it be give them an additional gift or allowing them to skip a month at that point. And so it's, you're absolutely right. The, the value that recurring revenue adds to businesses is tremendous. And it's creating greater relationships between a business and its customer today now than ever before. Because no longer just a transaction, it's you're building a relationship. Yeah. Would you consider the SaaS recurring revenue stream the best recurring model? Or, or is there something better than that? It's a tough call. I, and I'll tell you, whilst, you know, while I just finished saying like SaaS tend to see a little bit higher valuations, mm -hmm. um, I think there's a big movement in the D2C space and uh, other types of subscription that can yield just as much value. Um, look, I think any subscription is a great one because there's recurring, you know, it's the recurring revenue that's behind it. I think it's oftentimes the mindset of the company that will dictate that success or failure. If the mindset of the company is just to go out there and get subscribers and not nurture them, not continue to care for them, not continue to offer value and build onto what they have, ultimately it's not, it's going to, in the end, it's going to fail or they're just not going to be as successful as they could maybe be. But a, a truly successful subscription is one where the company embraces that model and continues to find ways to enhance it. If, you know, me undies is a great example of they're a subscribe and save model. They're selling underwear on a monthly basis. 
but they don't look at their customers as subscribers. They look at them as members and they're saying, you know, how can we continue to, to do more for them? How can we continue to offer more to our, our members as part of this? And I think that's, that's a winning combination in my opinion. Talk to me a little bit more about that. What's the difference between, in your mind, between a subscriber and a member? So, you know, a member is, is somebody that you're, you're finding ways to provide more value to. And, and, and look, there's, they're, they're interchangeable in some ways in terms of how you, how you represent them and, and what the, the true meaning is behind them. A subscriber, a member, somebody who engages with you on a monthly basis and, and continues, you know, payment. But I think, you know, from uh, like, um, you know, just a, a value standpoint, there's so many more things you can offer to a member, whether it be exclusive access to something, um, special promos and deals that you're going to offer a member, special pricing on additional purchases, um, access to, to various different, if you do an event or you do um, a special Zoom meeting, things like that, where you're continuing to provide value beyond just the product that you may be subscribing to or beyond just the solution that you may be subscribing to. And looking yeah. at them in that way. Okay. So to maybe restate what you're saying is maybe a subscriber is someone who pays you on a monthly basis and maybe a member is someone who belongs to something yeah. on a, on a recurring oh, yeah. basis. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I like that. Tell me the greatest home run you have hit in your career in the subscription space. The greatest, you know, it's, it's funny because we, every year sub summit has continued to grow. Um, that's we started as subscription summit, um, you know, and obviously pull the pandemic year out of, out of the equation here. We, we do plan to bring our event back this fall, uh, hoping everything continues to go well in the course of vaccinations or whatever it takes to get us back to a somewhat normal lifestyle here. But I, I think that home run was that first subscription summit that we held. It was an absolute roller coaster of emotion, um, you know, leading up to, you know, the event where we had secured some speakers and they were on board and then they backed out and then we got some new speakers. And even though it was a small event, even though it was a lot of friends and family, it set the stage for where we've been able to take it and where we've been able to help that community. And it's, it's the start of something really big and a movement that's really big out there. Um, there's two things on my bucket list that I will accomplish uh, by the time this business has run its course in whatever shape or form that is. Number one, Elon Musk will join me on stage. We're going to, you know, Tesla at its heart, at its core, from the beginning, Elon Musk has always said, we'll be a subscription focused business. You will have, you know, people will own a vehicle and I will be able to offer that out to others to subscribe to. The car will go out, pick them up, and the car will come back to my garage at the end of the day. That was one of his initial visions for Tesla. Uh, the second thing, which I think is even more important than anything else, is I'm determined to fix Comcast's customer care problem. Yes. And Xfinity's customer care problem. Um, it's no surprise that I think this is, you know, because I talk about this a lot because I'm determined to fix this one of the worst subscription companies out there in terms of how they handle their customers, how they deal with their customers, how they, they don't even treat their customers like customers. They treat them just like commodities. Okay. That's fine. You, you, you need our services anyway. And we're just going to continue to jack up the price and not care about our relationship with you. I think we have the opportunity as the subscription trade association as our conference 
to somehow reach that person who's in charge of that, the group that's in charge of that, the team that's behind their customer care and make them realize this needs to be better. And by doing so, we're going to have a better business because of it. That That's our opportunity to make an impact. And at the end of the day, if we can fix that, if we can help Comcast fix that, then we can impact millions of lives, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of lives, because we all have our frustration moments in there. And that's what's like, that's what's super important in this, in this space and even in recurring revenue. It's not that one transaction. It's, it's ongoing and, and you have an opportunity to make a big impact in people's lives. Yeah, I love it. And by creating an association, not only are you helping people in the subscription space, but you've created another subscription revenue stream yourself from the members of the association. Associations are actually one of the really good subscription business models. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we're actually retooling our sub to offering right now. Um, We played with different models along the way. And one of the things that we're going to be rolling out in Q2 here is, um, an entry level $9 a month individual plan or $99 a year, however people choose to pay for it. And they can get the news and knowledge and anything that they need to continue to build, grow and scale their subscription business. Um, we took a step back and we looked at it. We're like, how can we continue to enhance this? How can we continue to grow the community, make the barrier to entry really low, continue to provide tons of value and continue to grow the community. And that's, that's what we're focused on right now. I love it. Tell me about the biggest mistake or failure that you've made in your career related to subscriptions. Um, and what did you learn from it? Um, you know, that was actually, you know, something early on when we started Subta. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about a couple of things in here because, you know, I'm never one to say, you know, dwell on the past. Uh, yeah. Go back and say, gosh, I wish I had done this differently. It's always good to reflect, right? And mm-hmm. what I always say to the team is it's okay to make mistakes. I just said we don't make the same ones over and over again, yeah. right? Let's learn from our lessons and let's move on. And, you know, early on when we first launched Subta, we had our first event. And what we should have done at that event was gave everybody a free membership for a year and immediately grew our community right out of the gate. Instead, we tried selling it for like $40 a month and we didn't quite have the offering there. And so the lesson learned in there was we weren't exactly focused on the solution, more on, on I guess, what the end was and, and weren't, didn't put the building pieces, the building components in place. Um, there's certainly been a ton more. You know, when we launched QuoteGen, we ran out of the gate. We didn't know our numbers well enough. We didn't set our expectations properly. Uh, we thought we would go out and sign up people for a specific dollar amount and they would join our software solution and they would get running. And so, you know, we talk about lessons learned in there and and helpful tips for the audience here. I think, you know, one of the biggest things is, is truly understanding the numbers and metrics behind what you're doing and what you're building Uh, out there somewhere, whether you have to talk to somebody or do some research, understanding what your customer acquisition cost is going to be, and then building your model around that is going to set you up for success or failure, right? And, and more so success on that side. Because if you can understand that, then you can build, okay, you know, I'm gonna need this much cash to launch this business. I'm gonna get to this point with it and here's what I'm gonna do. Now there's no perfect science in there, but understanding that and building the model around that will help tremendously. 
So I, I love that concept of building around your customer acquisition cost and making sure you have enough profit margin built in. Uh, but how does a new business do that when they haven't advertised in a niche before, when they, when they don't know what that customer acquisition cost is, how, how do they figure that out or ballpark that? Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes it's, it's tough, um, but you know, there's, like I said, there's a lot of great research you can do out there. You can join a community and start asking people. Uh, within Subta, we have, you know, all of our events and conferences, constantly a conversation point, right? People are always saying, what's your CAC? What's your CAC? What's your CAC? We saw this CAC over here. We saw this, you know, customer acquisition cost CAC, you know, over there. Uh, and so that knowledge is definitely out there somewhere. And it's going to vary for everybody. It's going to vary by channel. Um, you know, I helped launch a wine subscription recently and was advising them. And uh, going into it, I reached out to a few, you know, close friends in the industry. I said, what are you guys seeing for wine customer acquisition costs? I said, oh, it's between, you know, 80 and $120. Okay, so let's build that into the model. And let's see if that works. And it did hold true, actually, as they, as they launched in the holiday season. Um, you know, and so there's a lot of great resources out there to understand that and, and back into the model. And then the, the flip side of that is understanding, you know, what are your goals and what are you trying to achieve? Because you may not be profitable on that first month that they subscribe. In fact, you know, your CACs could be, you know, I know with, um, you know, certain, some of the larger subscription companies out there is a clothing subscription brand that I know that their first, you know, let's say thousand, new subscribers they get on a monthly basis cost them $120. Beyond that marker, it's $315. You wow. know, there's sometimes there's inflection points where the CACs just, you can only acquire so many in that for that cost and it starts right. to go up. At least and, with the advertising sources that you're using. And the, yeah, yeah. The and, 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 and look, I think there's a, a growing focus on demand generation marketing. Um, which is the long game, you know, very organic, uh, very, you know, just, you got to create the demand for it and you build it out there and, and that your costs on that are lower over time versus paid, but there's only so many paid media sources out there nowadays. Facebook still one of the biggest ones. It's a, it's a double-edged sword. You, uh, you know, it, the costs continue to rise and, you know, it's one of the, the best ways to acquire people, but how long are people going to be on that platform for, you know, and how long yeah. is it going to last for Thank you so much, Paul, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, recurring revenue can usually provide stability and sustainability for our businesses. Number two, instead of just focusing on the transaction, recurring revenue allows us to continually provide value to our customers and tailor our products to them. Number three, as we continue to provide value, we can continually develop relationships with our customers. Number four, which recurring revenue model we choose doesn't really matter as much as our mindset about doing it. If we have a nurturing mindset, it greatly increases our chance of success. Number five, treating our customers like members can help us constantly provide them more value. Number six, like Paul, we can build supportive communities in our niche by always providing value and focusing on that community first. If you enjoyed this interview and want to learn more about Paul or connect with him, you can find him on LinkedIn or subta.com. And there's links to both of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. 
Do you want to be a better digital monetizer? Please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can subscribe to the free Monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast and YouTube channel. And number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. Have you used recurring revenue models to provide great value to your customers? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your efforts to grow recurring revenue streams and provide recurring value to your customers. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.